You are listening to Holy Words from Holy Cross, the sermon podcast of Holy Cross Evangelical Lutheran Church in Nazareth, Pennsylvania. We hope you find these words a blessing in your daily walk with God. Please visit us on the web at www.holycrossnazareth.org or in person at 696 Johnson Road, Nazareth, Pennsylvania. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart, not be all else to me, save You join me for, with a, for a word of prayer before I begin my reflection. <sighs> Heavenly Father, As we sang in our first hymn, so often your word confounds our understanding. We pray, O Lord, on this bitterly cold morning that you would warm and open our hearts. That you would open our minds to your word. That with a right understanding of it, your spirit might enliven us and make us better able to be your people. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I mentioned we'll be starting a Bible study on the book of Revelation. Apart from the book of Revelation, the passage of Scripture we heard this morning, or this story we heard from Scripture this morning in the Gospel, has probably caused more confusion and church division than any other passage in Scripture. The baptism of Jesus from the very beginning of the church brought people into conflict on their understandings and it took a long time to resolve it. And here's why. We know from Scripture that Jesus is just like us but without sin. And yet, we're also told in today's Scripture that John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. So why would he, who needed, had nothing to repent of, enter the waters of repentance? John tries to stop him in the more complete telling of this story in the Gospel of Matthew, where we get hints of it in today's reading, but John does say, no, I need to be baptized by you. We sang about that in the first hymn. But why would he, who knew no sin need to become, enter into the waters of baptism. This became a point of huge contention, particularly in the early church. A deacon named Arius kind of went rogue and started teaching that in fact, God, that Jesus was not born God from God, light from light, true God from true God, as we say in the Nicene Creed, but rather that Jesus became God on the day he was baptized. This is, after all, the first time in Scripture we see the Holy Trinity clearly, right? The Son is standing in the water, the Spirit is descending on him in the form of a dove, and the Lord's voice, the Father's voice is speaking from above at the same time. All three persons of the Trinity, one God in one sort of picture for us. So Arius taught that Jesus earned his way by his exemplary life, to being God. And then, here was the good news, you could do the exact same thing by your exemplary life. I hope you're smiling and realize that that's a bad idea. 
The clearer we get in our own examination of ourselves, as we'll see in our offering of a thought, um, the clearer we are that we're not going to be earning any godhood anytime soon. (laughs) And yet, most of the world went along with this. At the time the Council of Nicaea was called together, most of the world believed what Arius taught. In fact, they had a little song that they would sing. Sounds kind of strange. for It's hard for us to believe people got this worked up about things. But there were actually riots on the streets about this, folks. And there was a little song they would sing on the streets. There was a time when he was not. Deliberately denying the, first, the opening verses of John's Gospel that we heard on Christmas evening. The word heresy does not mean to teach error. It means to pick and choose. I like a little of this. I like a little of that. I think I'll leave that alone. It took three years of studying the scriptures earnestly for the church's overseers to come together and say, in one accord, actually there were two dissenting votes out of over 300. Arius and one guy who was his friend agreed with him. Uh, Other than that, everyone came around to saying, no, He is truly God and He always was. The words we say, we call the Nicene Creed, we'll be saying together a little bit later, came from that council. And that caused peace after the whole scriptures were studied together. So why did Jesus enter the waters then? If He had no sin to repent of, Well, I don't want to try and exhaustively explain that today, but I'm going to hold up at least one reason. Jesus entered the waters of baptism because He is, as the book of Hebrews says, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. He goes ahead of us into everything we must go into. This is Jesus fully embracing His humanity in a way that we can all see. Jesus had to show that to all of us. This is going to seem a little strange because we live in the 20th century and you know, since the Enlightenment, everyone has been skeptical about Jesus' godhood, but not about his humanity, except for a very few people who claim he never existed. Everyone agrees Jesus was a human being. But in the early church, it was the opposite. Everyone agreed Jesus was God. What they couldn't believe was that he wasn't really a human being. That God would do what we hear in the famous Christ hymn from the book of Philippians, the second chapter, that He, though He was in the very form of God, did not consider equality with God something to be held on to, but instead emptied Himself and took the form of a slave for the sake of our salvation. That That seemed the most outrageous thing God could do. But Jesus, in humility, does just that. And his submitting to the waters of baptism is what scholars call a prophetic sign act. This is him not just preaching the way we are to live, but just as he did when he wrapped a towel around himself and washed the feet of the disciples on Maundy Thursday. This is him showing us how we should live. We should be humble as he is humble. And here's what I want you to remember, if you remember nothing else I say this morning. He entered the waters of baptism with no need to repent so that we could enter the waters of baptism with no need to atone. Atonement 
is a word I guarantee you will never hear outside of church. There are very few words I can say that about, but atonement's one you're not going to hear outside of church. And it's a hard concept for us to understand, but the, the easiest way for us to reach it, if you saw the word atonement spelled out in front of you, you could break it into at one mint. It's making two things that seem forever separated back into one. We do not possess the ability to atone for our sins. There is nothing we could do to make right what we have made wrong. Do you know in 2 Corinthians, it doesn't just say that at the cross Jesus carried our sins to the cross. It says God made him to be sin who knew no sin. On the cross, Jesus becomes our sins. And which of us has not contributed to the sin he became? We don't possess the ability to atone for our sins, but He does. And just as everything we experience as human beings, from conception to death, He experienced as the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, so He enters the waters of baptism, fully embracing our humanity. Because the next thing he'll start doing is preaching in all, four, all, all three Gospels where you see, see his baptism. He fully embraces our humanity so that when we are united to him in baptism, we do not need to atone for our sins. We are connected. This is what our Romans passage from today is about. When we are baptized into Christ Jesus, we are baptized into his death, which is where our sins are atoned for that we might live in newness of life. We're connected with His death so we don't have to experience the death of sin. We can experience the newness of life. We are dead to sin and don't want to return to that old life we're rescued from. In embracing our humanity, Jesus takes on everything it is to be a human being so we can have everything it means to be a child of God. Luther called this the happy exchange. That's why I have papers with me. I don't usually carry papers when I preach, but I couldn't memorize Luther's quote here, but I want to share it with you. This is in a letter to his barber. (laughs) This is what he says. He says, Therefore, my dear brother, learn Christ. And... Learn Him crucified. Learn to pray to Him. And despairing of yourself, say, You, Lord Jesus, are my righteousness, but I am your sin. You have taken upon yourself what is mine and have given to me what is yours. You have taken upon yourself what was not yours and has given to me what I was not. And in the freedom of a Christian, one of his most important things he ever wrote, he said, if the devil comes to you and says, you're a sinner, you don't don't deserve salvation, here's how you respond. You say, that's right, I am. But if I have sinned, my Christ in whom I believe has not sinned. All mine is his and all his is mine. As it is written, my beloved is mine and I am his. And that's from the Song of Solomon. This is the happy exchange and this is the hope of our salvation. Jesus enters the water without 
the need to repent so we can enter the waters without the need to atone. He embraces all it is to be one of us so He can lift us to become what He is, a child of God. I use courtroom metaphors a lot to share with you because the Bible uses them a lot, to be honest. And um, here's, I talked to you a couple weeks ago about wouldn't it be great if you had this massive fine you had to pay? If suddenly you saw up on the bench, you saw your father, your mother, your best friend up in court, right? That wouldn't be great. But what if someone came right beside you and looked over your shoulder and said, whoa, that's a big bill. <laughs> You're never going to pay that. And you say, well, yeah, you're right, I'm not. I guess I'm going to jail. They say, well, I've got enough money, let me pay for you. Which of us wouldn't take that offer? That is the exact offer we are given by God through Jesus Christ. And when He in humility enters the waters of baptism, we know that He has fully embraced His mission to be one of us, to live to suffer and to die so that we might live again in righteousness. You join me in a word of prayer. Gracious and holy God, we are humbled by Your humility that You should do such extreme things to save us who rebel against You is truly a mystery beyond our comprehension. But we ask You to make us as humble as Your Son who gave up everything it was to be God for the sake of embracing what it was to be human. Help us to have His humility and accept Your Word. To accept your judgment, but more importantly, to accept your grace and live not as children of sin, but as children of the light. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. Not be all else to me, save that thou art. Be thou my best art in the day and the night. Waking or sleeping, thy presence my light.